Welcome to Third World Gaming, the number one show about analog games that's discussed by turtles. Hi. I eat pizza, he eats pizza, we all eat pizzas and we're like four of them. Nah, we're not. We're not turtles. We're not number one. But we do have turtles somewhere here. Downstairs, it's a softshell turtle, you know, like one of the turtles that the Chinese turn into turtle soup. No, I will not turn Miss Softy into a turtle soup. It's called Miss Softy? Yeah, because she laid an egg. So, hey guys, welcome to the show. Uh, yes, this is... I'm Miko, the ironic gamer, and with me is the fluffy cloud of doom, Paolo. Hi. He likes turtles. I like keeping them as pets. I don't eat reptiles unless they're like really common. That well, is somehow scary. I don't know why. <laughs> no, no, like, no, no. The idea, no, no, serious. I'm, no, no, like I don't like eating endangered stuff. I'm sorry. You'll never take, I can't take that out of my system. There's a joke here somewhere there. Yeah, there is a joke here somewhere. I know, and I know you made that joke, I think two years ago. I can't recall. Or was it, was it Norm who made that joke? Sounds like something Norm would do. Anyway, guys, uh, welcome to the show. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed our little talk about analog things. And we're going back to it. Specifically, something that's close and dear to our hearts. Titterpig. Okay, that is not an animal, but what he meant was TTRPG, otherwise known as the Tabletop RPG. What made that? What is that, you might be wondering. That is not Monopoly. Uh, TTRPGs are generally commonly known as D&D, AD&D, VTM. These are the common tabletop RPGs. And we'll be discussing these things. Well, Paul will be asking me some things. I'll be expounding on it generally because I'm not even really sure where to start on these things. I've been playing tabletop RPGs for more than 10 years at this point. Lightning round question. So no, I'm 28 right now, so that means I've played it for... Lightning round question. Years. When... Wow. Wh- <laughs> what, uh, where did... Uh, tabletop RPG start. I'm not talking about the first tabletop RPG. I'm talking about like where were where were their theoretical origins or some or his theoretical historical their origins. I mean, like lots of most popular things is people like to think uh, Gygax and I think Anderson. These are the guys who made D and D. Yeah. Uh, which started in 1977. Yeah. Uh, lots of people would like to think that as the first one. I'm pretty sure there are things prior it. So, uh, I'm not very aware of them, but so, those are the ones that were very popular. At the so time. what could have formed the basis? What mean like formed the basis? As in what was used to build the game up? Yeah. What gave the inspiration to create to create the game to create the game as it is. Actually, if you look at D&D, you'll see there's lots of odes to different other things, especially Tolkien, even, uh, nah, what's the name of that? Lovecraft, Lovecraftian things there, Tolkien's things are there, uh, you can see lots of things, uh, ode to the old, uh, medieval things, ch- chivalry and all that. Yeah. It had those bases, the whole fancy concept, but essentially the game was more, hey, something we want to play together. Uh, 1977 was the version one. It did not get that popular at the time. I think it was AD&D that came around 1987, 1989, somewhere there. That became far more popular. But yeah, people like think it came from there. And mm-hmm. the origins Jenny came from lots of the popular stories and movies at that time. Okay. So, okay. So besides D&D, what was one of the earlier uh, t- uh, tabletop RPGs? Oh gosh, uh, if you're thinking around that time, tabletop-wise, there were a number, but there were generally very small titles that never really got that popular. It was only really D&D, AD&D, and just variations of such. Uh, the only time maybe something different came out were things like uh, VTM, which used a slightly different system. Uh, Grups also, which is a different system as well. Uh, sorry, the Grups, Gur- uh, Grups, Gurps, which essentially was a setup you could use to make different things, but 
uh, tabletopping, like how we'd like to think, became really popular around the 2000s period, where you already had okay. things like the War, the Warhammer 40k War. or the older Warhammer. Uh, these things since you the click the click games, where you yeah. also were these are since you were tabletop games because you did have the dice, you did have the board, was similar to D and D, but it looked far different. It had a lot of figures going with it, whereas D and D did not entirely require said figures. Okay. Uh, Jenny, you want to think around this time period, 2000 onward, where more of the popular games came out. Prior to that, is still niche games. Okay. So, what? So, hmm. So, could you describe these? Could you could you describe some of the systems that go into a, the into the the uh, into the average tabletop RPG? Well, I mean, the most common system, at least when it comes to the mechanics, has always been dice. Dice. Uh, the one made pop by D&D does the D20 system. Then after that, we had the GURPS. Then after GURPS, you had a D10 system. Uh, the D10 system was essentially a modification of the D20 system. Then, of course, there are lots of independent systems. Okay. Like, personally, like, well, the one I made uses a combination of all three. Just seeing what the best portions were because there were limitations so, and benefits so of did all it, the systems. So, did it happen that each... Wait. So, if you put it that way, are you saying that most tabletop RPGs have, like... One system only. Uh, there will be more popular systems. D twenty is one of the most popular. Because yeah, but of if I, but yes, but in a in a TTRPG that uses D twenty, is it like only D twenty? What mean like uh, they only follow the rule set of D twenty? No, the only dice rule set is D twenty. Uh, no, I mean they use lots of dice. Okay, uh, they use a D four, D six, D eight, D ten, D twelve. And a D20. Then the D20 system use those types of dice. Okay. Uh, you'll see other systems go up to using a far more different dice. GURPS sometimes use this. GURPS, though, initially using only a D6. Because it was designed for people who did not have multi-sided dice. Uh, it can use these multiple things. D10s were just D10s over D20s. Uh, they also use multiple kinds of things. But D20 did not just require using a D20. Of course, you could just survive on a D20 alone. Okay. But uh, it was not necessarily just meant for just a D20 die. Okay. The D20 yeah. die was redundant, but you know what I mean. Hmm. Okay. So, besides the presence of the... So, besides the presence of these systems, how did these systems affect the flow of the game? Oh, by a lot. I mean, a D20 system uh, being the most popular one, it was actually very effective that time. But the D20 had one major flaw to it, which was... Well, people would say it's a flaw, and others say it's a realistic thing to it. Which was, if you were out-leveling your friends or out-leveling an enemy, it was nearly impossible for you to lose. Some people say that makes sense because you're far more skilled and things. But at the same time, you end up having people who would essentially bully smaller players. Because no matter what they, no matter what they do, they'd always win. So unless you got critical every single time, like that one guy who used his dagger to get critical against a boss so much that he became canon in D and I forgot his name though. So he got um, about twenty three criticals in a row. So as an exa- so as an example of this uh, potentially broken state of affairs, what should it occur in a D twenty system? We have guy who is practically level twenty and guy who is level one. Oh, the guy level 1 will never win against the Even if the guy level 1 rolls a 20? He may have a chance, because like, that will probably let him do a critical, but that's assuming uh, the other guy does not also roll a critical, or maybe he might have a fumble. Um, let, um, okay. Uh, there I, is a statistical I, chance for him to win, but I'd like it's to, so I'd, small, it I'd like to matter. put the statistics... I'd like to give the specific uh, situation. Level 1, level 20. Mm-hmm. Level 1 rolls a 20. Level... 
20 rolls a 1. Oh yeah, that's perfectly fine. I mean, you roll a 1, that's a fumble. Or essentially, that's a fail, a major fail to it. Uh, if you have, actually, if you do D1, if you roll a 1, lots of time your character could get hurt, uh, could f- completely fail a spell, or a horrible thing happens, especially this normal for wizards. Okay. Like... If you do a d20, it's the exact opposite. It's like the amazing thing. Either you might actually some DMs have allowed you to do double summons or have have increasedly uh, have increased the effects of certain spells are or you, giving you special criticals for attacks. Are you telling me that if I are you telling me that if I roll a twenty while just casting a fire a fire spell, I might actually summon a fire elemental? Uh depending on the DM, but Jenny, you will Jenny have a higher powered fire spell. Okay, because it's a critical. And like, if you're doing a D1, your like, chances are you might set yourself on fire. I like the idea. Or I, just fizzle. I like the idea that my fire missile turns into a giant friggin' golem. I mean, that's a possibility, but again, a D20, it's generally a low chance. I mean, sure, one out of 20, uh, that's about 5% chance. But, well, again, 5% compared to 50%. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if uh, level 1 does a 20 and level 20 does a 1, yeah, the level 1 could win. But the chance of that happening is pretty slow. Okay. Hmm. I can't tell if my train of thought died or if I'm trying to make a some or if I'm still trying to think of a question. Paolo's brain's a little weird right now. The same way my nose is a little weird, so I sound a little off. What was your first personal experience with a tabletop RPG? Oh, that one. That was uh, in elementary. Uh, that was. It was not D and D. Surprisingly enough. My first real experience with it was actually uh, Van- uh, Vampire the Masquerade. Okay. I went to D&D after Vampire the Masquerade. It was Jenny Reverse. Most people go to Va- D&D, then go into the other things. Okay. My first such was Vampire the Masquerade. Then I went to D&D. Uh, I still remember my character at that point. I was using a Ventru, and my character came from the 1400s, and he just recently got uh, out of his tomb in the year t- uh, 2001. Okay. It was interesting, and the very first thing I did was I killed a gangrel. Okay. So how was that? I won. <laughs> okay. Did people start hating you? Uh, no, I mean, from uh, that, I think the ruling at that point was if you kill a person, you absorb his stats. So oh, essentially, okay. I bec- I got lots of stats after killing that one guy. Wait, Ventru? Ventru? As Ventru and Gangrel, our DM allowed me to essentially absorb the guy's stats essentially by killing him. Correct me if I'm wrong. Ventru, are they part of the Masquerade? Uh, everyone's part of the masquerade. W- weren't there vampire clans that weren't? Uh, no. The masquerade is essentially making sure you don't break the masquerade. Like you don't show off who you are. Even the uh, weren't gosh, there, the but weren't there clans that were out that weren't part of that? There, there were clans that did not respect the masquerade. That's true. Uh, Camarilla was one of the people who enforced it. Same with, with the other people, but uh, like Gangrels did not. It's same with the Nosferatu. But I hit the point where it became if you did not respect the masquerade, any people killed you or place a blood hunt on you just to get rid of you. Oh, okay. Because by breaking the masquerade, you place threat to everyone, especially when you played VTM. That was modern day. The modern day vampire hunter was far more equipped than the old ones. Okay. So outing the vampire at that point was very bad for you. Okay. Because back so... then they didn't have napalm. Fire is not good with vampires. I know I played the vampire hunter. It was pretty fun. Okay, I'm. Playing towards are your friend. Okay. So that was your first experience? That was my first experience. It was really fun, and that allowed me to really look into how the games are made. Okay. But uh, if I have to be honest, like my very first experience with a p- tabletop-ish type game is actually games I made as a kid. Okay. This was when I was probably grade 3. 
I I did not consider tabletop games. They were actually at some point considered a very weird analog side scroller. Oh, okay. I would draw out entire maps on a on a like notebook, and then they'd say people would try to figure it out. So it was a side scroller. It says that you went from left to right. And you kind of went through these other small things, but you're essentially solving puzzles. Like you would have this, how would you solve this puzzle? Oh, okay. So it's very analog. It's something like a. It had pictures. It was not a text game, apparently. Okay. So that would be my first experience of a tabletop-ish type game, though that's not an official tabletop game. I mean, many people did not have a book of analog side scrollers and call that a game. But that's something I understood. As we a need kid. to make that book. That was fun. I mean, uh, and no, we need to make a book of analog side scrollers. It's amusing. Essentially, you're just solving a series of puzzles. Well, we we should like make a hundred portals. I guess. We should like make a hundred of those. Those maybe we could like do stuff with them. Very interesting stuff. Well, I'm sure the hipster market would love that. Yeah, I mean, it's such a really a bit of a hipster thing the having the analog side scroller. But I could see how it could be fun. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I mean, that's I guess my first experience with it. But my first two experience was VTM. Okay. Then I went to D&D, and I remember playing Halfling. Okay. What's not my best choice? What's Halfling again? Uh, Halfling, it's not a hobbit, essentially. It's a shorter human. I mean, it's, it's something between a hobbit and a human, somewhere there. I, I When I heard Halfling, I was almost under the impression, impression of a half-breed. Sort of. No, uh, it's like a half-breed. I mean, Halfling was also used to wait to describe like, half-breeds, but I think Halfling was also considered a race. You're kind of short. But I, you weren't hobbits. I know, but when I heard half halfling, I thought, is this guy like half elf, half human, or half orc, half minotaur? No, those are, co- those are called demi humans. Okay. There's a demi human for every single class. Is there like a half human, half minotaur thing? Yes. There's a half human, half minotaur, half kinda human, ha- half dragon, half human, half mi- everything. Essentially, there's a half human for everything. So, wait, so how are they made? Humans sleep around. How are they made? Humans sleep around. Oh, so how are they made? Moving along, but yeah, uh, mm-hmm. essentially I played a halfling. I kind of liked him because I was playing a more stealthy character at that point. Uh, did not pay out very well. Okay. Apparently stealthy characters are made of glass. I'd expect them to be. <laughs> and yeah, trying to sneak around an ogre, if you make noise and it finds you, not the best thing. Did it eat you? No, no, it just kind of smashed me repeatedly over and over, <laughs> then used my body as a weapon against my teammates. I thought it tried to eat you. That's not no, usually... tried to eat. I think it tried to eat me after that point. Okay. But I think my teammates killed it. I have no idea if I was saved at that point. I don't remember it anymore. But yeah, essentially I became a projectile weapon. Okay. You got so your corpse was thrown around. Yeah. It yeah. That's, that sounds <laughs> horrible, man. But I mean I still enjoyed it. It was very interesting. And unlike uh, what people might think, there was no board. Uh we just had our sheets and things and we might draw something out in like a pad paper or something, but we never really used the boards. Alright, that that actually gets into my next question. What are some of what are the bare essentials needed to play a tabletop? Uh, the most bare essentials you'll probably need. Well, what is the system involved? You really need the mechanics and decide which one you're going to use. There are a number of systems available. Uh, D10, D20, GURPS are the most uh, common one. But without that, you really can't have a game. After that, of course, you have your character sheet. It could be from different designs. Then your story. Okay. Once you have those three things, you then you have the game. Then you decide who's going to be your game master or dungeon master at this point. Okay. And actually, that's one of the things that really makes or breaks a game is a dungeon master. Okay. If you have a bad dungeon master, you have a bad game, honestly, because then they don't know what they're doing. Things get messed up. Doesn't really go very well. Then when you have a good one, even bad stories can go really, really fun and really, really well. 
but I guess you know DMGMs. Uh, some people are really talented and they can get it uh, immediately. I am not one of those people. Uh, the first time I started DMing and GMing games, I was pretty horrible at it. But you know, after about sixteen years, you get pretty good. Okay. Um. So, what are the use of those of those uh, books that have the have the oh, yeah, information okay. with classes, races, monsters, and whatnot? Oh well, those things are very popular and with lots of uh. Lots of tabletops. Uh, D&D, I think, is most notorious with all the big books. Yeah. Uh, those are player books, and they're also GMDM books, which are scenario books. Uh, players have to go through these books many to understand their character fully. Jenny, when you go into these groups, you are expected to know your character, the class, and lots of things about the lore. Okay. Jenny, people don't hold your hand for D&D. Uh, they expect you to know about it since it's a niche community, and they figure you're the popular type of guy who reads up on it anyway. So it's never really pop- prone to reading yeah. up on So it's never really popular for people who never read into the lore. So it became very hard for other people to just quickly join in. And when you did jump in, uh people end up becoming like holding your hand essentially just to help you through the game. Okay. And some people like that, some people don't. Most people who are really into the scenarios don't enjoy that. Uh the books then became very important for people to fully immerse themselves and fully enjoy the game. But of course that made it tedious because these books are not light reading. Yeah. I've seen um, I forgot if it was you or some or someone else I know who, who I knew who had one of the D and D books. I recall trying to go through most go through it all. I couldn't in the span of two hours. No, it's not really a light reading book. I mean, especially if you go into the really deep lore or just trying to understand the mechanics. And even all these just things, it's even just trying to go through the monster compendium. Well, in Friends, the Monster Commandment is really fun, but gosh, I mean, you I realize you see really, really dumb monsters there. Yeah. Uh, my favorite one is the Slagtite monster. Honestly, it had like probably the dumbest system to how to how it worked. How dumb? Uh, a Slagtite monster is a monster that looks like a Slagtite, and its concept of how it hurts the adventure or hunts its food is it falls on it. What? Now, okay, so I get the idea. It looks like a Slagtite. It does damage you when it falls does on it. Does it have you. a mouth? It didn't have a visible mouth, but here's the dumbest thing about it. What? It was not immune to fall damage. What? So you can actually have the monster fall and kill it- kill itself. Okay. Now, I don't know you, but generally when a monster evolves or, you know, is assigned by some higher power, generally they kind of think about this. Yeah. <laughs> you will hunt things by falling on them. Oh, yeah, falling really, really hurts you. Wow. So it wasn't the smartest thing. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you ah, see some really, really weird monsters. My brain died. But the I'm stalactite gonna... that dies by falling when it can only do stuff in the fall. Yep, and even the companion merit says it can spend hours coming into a position. So again, this is an ambush-style monster that can get killed by its own ambush, and this it expects to somehow survive this way. But, if guys, I, but the thing I can never forget is uh, when you play D&D, uh, when you go from one area to another, you will have a random encounter. It's required, regardless of how long or how short the trip is. So uh, a one-mile journey has one random encounter, and a hundred-mile journey can have one random encounter. Okay. <clears throat> now I'm just remembering the time I turned into this, into a Tyrannosaurus. But yeah, that... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Those are the basic things. You need a DM, a system, uh, the pa- the character sheet, 
Uh, I mean, the optional such as the figures and the board, which you probably see in some media and things where there is a board or sometimes there's no board there, but they generally have these figures. Uh, I think you see this in Dexter's Laboratory. Yeah. Not Dexter, the, the serial killer, but Dexter Laboratory. This is uh, a thing we had when we were kids. Uh, I'm pretty certain, and I'm, uh, this thing that I'm pretty certain your older brothers or even your dads might know about. Essentially, there were figures, it. boards, uh, before these things were kind of a requirement, especially for D and D version one, two, actually probably even the three, three point five, four, probably five. But uh, you didn't necessarily need that. Uh, personally, as a game master and a DM, I hit the point where I realized having a board was not very practical, generally because I would never have enough boards. The boards were very constrictive in what you could do. Even though the board did have the advantage of pretty much displaying the whole map to you and you're sort of where all your limits were, I felt that went against a system where I wanted more freedom for the player and freedom for myself. But so you don't really need those, but you have to have a system. <laughs> okay. If you have no system, then you're just a bunch of guys sharing weird stories. Okay, so how necessary it so because I've because I've seen a number of the uh player guides or the player guides and such how necessary are they in get into getting into certain tabletops uh it really depends on the tabletop some tabletops are very easy to get into and others are very hard to get into D&D is one of those that uh probably 3.5 it's not as difficult yeah because it made it a little simpler but uh the older ones you really had to lead those player guys because Jenny well the community themselves would Jenny not give you enough time to really understand it they might get annoyed because they want to play their scenarios which can take days to finish not hours but days and there's okay. some games like a uh, pathfinder which was 3.5 for dnd was pretty simple to get into shadow runners was pretty simple vtm it was a mix essentially if you didn't know we told people to play gangrel okay uh, if you weren't very sure play gangrel jenny that's simplest because gangrel were very animalistic ones who did not follow any real order because they need parts of bats and things so they did not follow the rules of the masquerade too much Okay. So it allowed you to kind of learn via experience. D&D did not really offer that because any of the cards you played, you're kind of, you had to work together as a team or Jenny, you die. Okay. So learning via experience was Jenny not that great. Pathfinder, a little easier just because things allowed you to have a bit more leeway. And okay. Shadowrunner, the same as well because uh. there are more options what you could do. Okay. But if you're, most of the time, those player guides are very essential if you really want to have a, well, a longer life expectancy and well i'm being a bit more fun i mean I'm sure reading is not fun but uh if you don't know how to play the game you're ending up you know making a mess for either yourself or everyone else playing okay so so it's entirely possible to get into a tabletop without throwing down insane sums of money uh you generally don't need to drop down that much money i mean uh if you want to get into tabletops like seriously yeah maybe you want to buy the books maybe you want to download them uh, buy them online essentially but that's no but that's going to be nowhere near as much money as compared to other games uh it depends i mean i know lots of people who spent you no know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars but i'm on... i'm talking about essentials oh essentials no i mean it's gonna be a lot cheaper uh you cannot be free to place free to place i think will be more will always be cheaper but uh, essentially for a tabletop game uh, like the one I made, um, cost-wise, um, you're just paying for dice. Your comment would depend, printing. but I think that's going to be another topic for another time. I think we talked about free to place one time. No, no, no. <laughs> we we, that, we could talk about it again because I feel that that one was mostly a rant about horrible microtransactions. True. We, but yeah. Uh, uh, m- more a rant rather than a discussion. Uh, that's very true. 
But yeah, for tabletops, yeah, essentially what you're spending on is dice, depending on what system you might be using, and printing. Yeah. That's essentially the essentials. Then, of course, I mean, you can find a place. You don't have to play in a place that you have to pay money. I mean, I know lots of guys, we just play in guys' homes, or we end up just, like, chilling somewhere and playing. Yeah. Okay. Then, yeah, key things, making sure that wherever you play is has a good table. Okay. You know, tabletop, very, very essential to tabletop gaming. Uh, let's see if I can... Floor's not that great. Let's see. Let's see if I can mine a question off of my head. More personal question than a more a personal question than a quest than a uh, quest than a question for the topic. Yes, I have played the girl character. No. Oh. No. And I'm pretty <laughs> certain that I'm pl- I'm pretty certain playing a gay character would be weird. Oh no! Than I played playing... I played girl character, gay character. I played. I've been a dungeon master for more than 16 years at this point. I played every single type of character because I had the voice and be must be every single character available. Oh, okay. So how how different is a gay character from a girl character? Different. Since you you have a guy and you have a girl. Oh, okay. It's just, it's just uh, one being, guy. I mean, being a gay character doesn't mean you act like a girl. Okay. Doesn't. Okay. I mean, uh, I know lots of gay I know lots of gay guys and like, they don't they don't all act girly. Yeah, and yeah, I know. I know I know for a fact that there are and some And that's actually but that is a dangerous thing but when you are a DM, be very careful about stereotyping characters. Oh yeah, that's going to be a problem. Uh, that can be a problem. If you're a rookie DM or GM, it you'll kind of go into it because you're not too sure yet. But I mean, lots of players you have to be careful because, you know, it, you can hit on sensitivities. Yeah. And stereotypes are I mean, there they are stereotypes for a reason that people do understand. They see them in media and other things, but that's generally not the best way to portray something. Yeah. So yeah. if you're going to be DM, be sure you do your research. And if you're doing a stereotype thing, uh, make sure it's something that's very light and humorous, not something that you're trying to do some sort of really serious uh, hurt with. Serious I mean, hurt, or you're trying ha- to send, or you're trying to send a derogatory message. Yeah, because I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If you're trying to send a derogatory message, you are a a um uh, asterisk 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 ole. I'm pretty sure there's a letter there missing, but yeah. No, no, uh. no because <laughs> I'm sorry if it was just the two asterisks, then the, that would be have been like identifiable, and we'd have to cut this out of the uh out of the podcast. Anyway, but yeah, uh, that is a problem also with DMs. I mean, I have experienced that where I have to be very careful about what I do. Uh, the ones I generally have lots of practice with, strangely enough, is actually female characters. Okay. Jenny, because uh, lots of guys, lots of people who play my games are guys and they want to interact with female characters. It's really amusing playing the female character and voicing the female character for this because I actually have to voice them. Okay. It's only, But the first few times I did not voice, I would say... This character said this to you. Okay. But it hit the point where it became kind of broken, so I actually started doing girly th- girly voice and stuff. I remember actually this one uh, game where I played one of my friends, Peppy, and it hit the point that, okay, Peppy is really flirting with me. I, this seems a little uncomfortable, but I have to go through this because this is part of the game. Okay. <laughs> and even he was, he was getting into it, and after that, dude, yeah, that's a little weird, yeah. But I mean, it's essentially, I did play the part and the characters were there. That's also actually another thing that people should understand tabletop games is, uh, the character is not you. Uh, this happens a lot that, uh, when you're new to it, you treat the character as, you know, that is a reflection of you, that is you in the game. Be very careful with that because you could end up getting, you could 
end up feeling hurt somehow because I've seen lots of people who play their character and feel things against them is somehow against them as people. Yeah. Especially like if this person decides to attack you to get yourself in things, they feel like it's an attack towards them as a person but not the character. Or when people say things that are insulting in nature, in character, they feel hurt because they feel they're being insulted. Um, uh, I think that's it, something that's kind of difficult to I think separate. It, um, in this context, I think it needs to be said that when you go into this, always remember that irregardless of how much characterization you're putting into this, you're getting, you're still getting into a game. Yeah, and, and you're still a character. You're, you're controlling get- a character. You're not the character. You're controlling a character. Yeah, so it's co- your character, but it's not you. So especially in some, in a number of these games, uh, come to an understanding that your character will likely end up going. Your character or the character of the other players will end up going certain ways, whether it be because of the lore, whether it be because of the way they want their character portrayed, or whether it's because of certain things about the character they're making in, in I, comparison to um, character stuff, train, job. <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, I guess a good way to look at this is Jenny, when people play MMORPGs, yeah. uh, Jenny, they are playing themselves. Uh, they are not pretending to be in character at all. Uh, Unless you're on an RP server. Even then, uh, if RP servers are pretty rare, if you enter a game, there is no RP servers are not like standard. Not like when you go to tabletop games where RPing is a must. Yeah. Jenny DMs will punish you for not RPing or using out of character information. MMO says you can use out of character information as much as you want. Even on an RP server. So immediately. Uh, it's different. You are playing your character and that makes sense to you. In tabletop games, that's not the case. This character is someone. You've built his story. You've built who he is, who she is. I've seen male characters play women. Me- uh, women characters play males. All these other things. Uh, because these are these characters and they're sort of making them live that life. I mean, it hits the point where people found out that their characters make their own choices. They don't even make the choice anymore. Yeah, I mean, I know one of my friends, like uh, he was playing a crusader at that point, even though uh, he met up with one of his other friends, like a real life friend in the game, but the friend was a thief. uh, As much as they want to work together, his character would always say no. And of course, I mean, that, eh, that's stupid. I mean, just work. I mean, it's just a game. You can play. But he's so invested in it as a character that no, this is not what the character would do. Okay. So it's interesting. You do hit those points. And some DMs have the most annoyance with that simply because uh, this is a common thing with lots of DMs where you kind of want to have every... This is a common thing with DMs where you want to have everyone kind of in the same area because it's a lot easier to handle them, especially if you do have a board. Uh, but if you have people who genuinely hate each other, really difficult to do without them ending up killing each other and losing half the team and somehow ending the story. Okay. But, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you have to be separated from your character. You are controlling a character. It is your character, but it's not you. Uh, for DMs, the same way that uh, you have to be... You generally learn that these are characters. It's not you. You're just simply voicing them, giving them life. Okay. But it's a little difficult to get into, and it's a little nuance about tabletop games. But, I mean, that's one thing that makes it really interesting. Okay. So, um, a bit of a personal question. How possible do you think it would be if we tried to make... Uh video content of us doing stuff on the tabletop game uh, i mean i've actually seen those i've actually seen uh dnd let's plays i've yeah they I've... are very i would say unusual i think the most the best ones when they have the figures the boards because there's better visualization from the viewer side to it okay so if we do that we might need to do that or we c- or we could get 
Well, I don't know. I had this weird idea in mind, and to be fair, I there a part of me actually does have the idea to put this into motion. We do that, and I vis and I'll visualize them as in you know cartoons. Okay, okay. Like, what do you mean by that? I I'll I I can I can or I can uh, ha, uh, see if someone can do some animations. Okay, animation that would be a lot better because that's the difficult part, especially you're doing a let's play for this thing. Is there are zero visuals? Okay. Uh, I mean tabletop. I mean that's the thing that also get people off with tabletop games. There is no actual visuals. You are using your imagination. Even with that board, it's generally a flat board. So Jenny, I mean the the truth of the matter is. Players probably will not see the same world each person is seeing. I mean, the way yeah. one person visualizes the world is very different from how the other person might see it. So, I mean, I've seen this as the fact that we had this one exercise where we got together and tried to draw out the world we're seeing. Okay. You see, like, completely different worlds. Okay. And that also makes it amusing again for that own person because he's now playing this version of this world with these people and this person in this version of the world. So since you're playing all your own personal games in this bigger game, it's kind of weird that way. That and actually, again, that's the thing I enjoy further. Yeah, it's kind of, I guess in maybe if you played in a video game type thing where you'd have your own skins or texture packs running. Skins, texture packs, and here it's base. Here it's basically each of the players have their own vision of what the world is. Like for example, one guy is viewing the world in a very, in a very dark, gritty, goth style. The other guy is vision is envisioning the world in a stat. In a Tolkien, in a Tolkien-esque fantasy, another guy is envisioning the world as the same way the Pyro envisions the world. Oh yeah, I mean those are that's actually very very probable. And for me, that's one thing I love about tabletop games which you cannot see in uh, video games. Different, or, uh, different way this, of uh, looking, different way of looking at things. It's creative and somehow it all meshes together perfectly fine. Okay, I mean there'll be these weird moments where it might not mesh. But Jenny, that might be the DM's fault, not the player's fault, because he may have forgotten to describe something a little better. Okay. But I guess that's also again. Or it could problem. also be that the ca- that the characters were made in such a way that the characters just two characters will look at things in so opposite of ways that they're not that is going to be like putting them together is just dissonance plus one thousand. Yep. Uh, but again, I mean, that's not so problematic. I mean, that actually gets, that's actually the fun part of the game is when yeah. people try to do things different ways. Yeah. Uh, which you can't do in most of these, uh, video games. Most video games tend to be tied to the code, in all honesty. But of course, I mean, like, uh, you might be thinking, does that mean the system of a tabletop RPG is very loose? No. Uh, tabletop RPGs are not very loose. They're actually very tight. That's how the systems work. They're tight but flexible, as I would put it. Yeah, I mean, kind of tight, like, but t- they kind of like cover. But they're vi- essentially, I guess, me how Jawa put up the law is they are written in such a way that you know it covers just what you need, but has a lot has a bit more for leeway. Yeah. Uh, essentially, like the GURPS, like yeah. the GURPS system, or I guess maybe you might not know what this GURPS, which is Generic Universal Roleplay System. Okay. Uh, these things only cover the most of the most actions you'll probably be doing. Uh, D and D might not cover the actions. Like uh, D and D probably does not expect you to do a weird like a triple backflip, throwing a hatchet attack, you know, spetsnaz style. How but, uh, GURPS would actually cover it? How would GURPS cover it? Uh, GURPS has a lot more skills. Uh, in D and D, we have these things called feats. Okay. Which essentially is you get these weird skills. You essentially I have a feat towards this, a feat towards that. GURPS just essentially details every single feat as a standard like skill area where you put a point to. 
Okay. So essentially, it gives a bit more leeway. You'll notice in the game I made, I have a similar system where it tries to cover every possible thing by getting the basic thing you'll be needing. Okay. Uh, most commonly, I mean, this is seen in all games, which is stamina, dexterity, strength, and then you'd have other things. It goes to maybe willpower, perception, uh, intelligence, wits. Okay. Essentially, these core things should cover almost every possible action you may do. And sometimes it might not cover it directly, so that's where maybe a good DM comes to play and he just tries to figure out where it would make most sense. Okay. I mean, this is a very common problem I actually remember in VTM being done by some of my friends uh, stateside. Okay. Where they would not understand how a firearm would actually fall under in the game. Okay. Officially, in the VTM books, firearms are considered blunt. Okay. But of course, the people who made VTM, you know, never really went into it. I mean, it's they tried to keep the sim- system as simple as possible. But that kind of breaks down some things because modern day weapons are very different from old school weapons. Uh, I found it actually strange. Like, how can it be blunt when there's a number of things that could be factored in? Okay. And some DMs have actually gone to port where they've completely banned certain weapon types from the game. Okay. And I've learned quickly that banning things from your game types or banning things simply because you could not control it actually ends up limiting your game in a way that makes it feel unusual. Like uh, the most common three things that are banned from VTM. Firearms. Uh, Not be firearms. Firearms are generally accepted. Okay. Uh, Very specific types of firearms. Jenny, they don't like grenade launchers. Okay. Grenade launchers are generally a no-no. Chemical weapons are generally a no-no. Why? And explo- and generally higher-powered explosives. Okay, the boom-booms, I understand. Why the chemicals? Chemicals because they're not really sure how chemicals would fall under in rolls or fall under in damage. It falls under too many strange things that they don't know how to even calculate for it. Okay. And, well... Explosives, Jenny, because it's a explosions are actually a really weird thing to damage because something can be blunt damage, it could be cutting damage, it can be fire damage, depending on how it goes. And some there, some people don't want to go through all the possible things. Okay. Explosives, it's enough, is actually removed not because it's hard to do the damage for. Uh, Jenny DMs I know remove explosives because they find it OP or overpowered. But Jenny, because doesn't... people have found very creative ways to use explosives. But one shouldn't there. But isn't it that by the nature of the tabletop game, there are there are going to be though there are going to be as creative ways in which a person can avoid them. Yeah, but the thing is, people Jenny are not familiar with it because explosives Jenny were not encountered in D and D, A D and D, Pathfinder, okay. uh, Traveler, lots not of these even games. A, not but, wait, really they encountered. They encountered like bombs. What about AO? Wait. Not even AoE spells? Uh, the thing about an AoE spell, yeah. these are done by wizards, channelers, uh, other things. So you can identify them because you look for the caster. They have ca- they have times depending on how you did it. So, okay. Uh, explosives, uh, Jenny, are not. I mean, I've known a lot of people removed because of three explosives in general. Yeah. IEDs. Uh, yeah. Okay. IEDs, remote detonation, and shaped charges. Shaped? Yeah. A shaped charged. Uh, plastic, essentially, you can mold it to different shapes oh, and yeah. you can also make it more effective depending on how you shape it. Okay. Generally, they did not know how to... Uh, they didn't understand how to do a calculate for damage this. In the same way, other players who encountered this, who probably, you know, in real life have no real ex- idea how explosives work, could not argue against it and felt like they were being put at a major disadvantage. 
Okay. Actually, I remember one guy. Uh, he. This is actually during a LARP. Uh, LARP is a live action role play. Essentially, it's a D and D game. Well, tabletop game, but you actually dress up and you actually are your characters going around. It's really fun. Okay. Uh, one guy. It was a VTM game. He was a level. He was a level one. It was a gangrel. Uh, I forget what his uh, clan was, but he was a level one guy who succeeded in essentially killing uh, VTM's version of level 20 characters. Okay. He killed eight of them, their slaves, and destroyed their home by himself. How? Uh, he entered the he entered the play area wearing a long trench coat. When he entered the area, their guard did not check him. Okay. Inside the trench coat was about 20 blocks of... Uh, Semtex explosive TNT. Twenty. Yep. He has twenty. And, and in LARPs, you actually have to have the things. So twenty. All these things like uh, inside his trench coat. Twenty. Yeah, twenty. Twenty. So essentially. Twenty. Yeah. Twenty. Yes, two zero. Twenty. I'm sorry. It's like my my brain is like 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 when the computer hangs. Twenty. Twenty. What do you make him out of? Oh, I mean like the it's just paper. Oh, since he made that paper thing, styrofoam. No, no, Semtex. Okay. So essentially, I know, no, no, he didn't make the Semtex out of styrofoam. Ah, uh, too much work. Oh, okay. That's a lot of things. So he just did paper, which is accepted. Okay. Uh, and the DM allowed it simply because, yeah, uh, the fault of here is not him. The fault is here. Security did not check him. Oh, okay. So essentially, he killed off all these characters, and he did it by blowing them up. By blowing them up, he it, he did it because of revenge, because he kind of got annoyed how these players kind of bullied him. Okay. So essentially, okay, I'm going to kill all of you using this. After that, people did complain because they did not understand too much. So the DM simply just banned it from use after that. Okay. Uh, this is generally, I see, a fault to a DM who's not too familiar with it. Because, again, when you have these type of games, you want to have this creativity. And stunting this creativity in any way, for me, somehow is detrimental to the game. Okay. Some people may argue that, no, I mean, that's unfair advantage because they, the average person doesn't know about this. Man, look, uh, this guy's just doing look at me studies. I mean, why are you going to wrong him for trying to learn more, research more to how he can do things? Okay. For me, if he did this, say, hey, why don't you step up your game? Maybe you can look into things to counter it, look into these other things to also make his life a bit of hell. But yeah, so essentially, those things, you kind of want to have the creativity in the game because, again, tabletop is about imagination, it's about these things. It's not just about the simple set, it's not about the strict uh. systems and rules. You have to be able to do whatever you can. And for me, that's the magic of it. You can't do that in a video game. Yeah. No matter how much it can claim to be a sandbox, the, to be modular, the, all the mods. The very nature of the fact that... It never gets that feeling. The very nature of the fact that a video game has to be a coded system kind of limits it from the onset. Yeah. I mean, there's some games have tried to make it a lot more open. I mean, like Gmod especially makes it... Uh, it allows you to do a bit more things than an average game would. But at the same time, it kind of lacks... You know, being an actual game. <laughs> it kind of lacks the structure of an actual game, which... Yeah. In, Pop Hunt, though, is really, really fun. Which, now that I think about it, we might have a topic one of these days for for a future T, for a for future TWG with regards to linearity versus open world. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah, there's a lot of things you can talk about that one. Uh, but, though, I'm sure that's going to be restricted mainly to sandbox style games. But, yeah. again, that's also one thing that's also nice about the tabletops is you do have that concept of being open world and sort of linear, depending on your DM. Yes. And I'm, I'm serious. Like the, the, Having a good DM is very important. I mean, sometimes you can make do with really bad rules as long as the DM can somehow manage with it. Uh, I mean, I'll say like immediately like four DMs I most commonly meet. Yes. The 
evil DM who will essentially do everything to try to kill the player and realize he's supposed to be running a game, not, you know, an execution. Or a murder simulator. Then you have the overly friendly DM who tries to keep you alive every possible way and essentially gives you so much free stuff because he's just worried you might be angry. The, the rich, generous nurse... Then you have the Shakespearean DM. I mean, these are the guys because they do the voice and everything. They really fix up their story. I mean, their stories are fantastic. Yes. I, I'll have to get the Shakespearean DMs. Their stories are genuinely very well done. They yes. have really good characterization. Everything goes out really well. Problem is they're the most linear guys I know when it comes to play style that if you do one thing wrong, they get so upset and will probably try to kill you. The awesome yet highly sensitive novelist. Essentially, you are playing like his story's character and it's like, you have to play by his rules. It's a little annoying, but yes. I'll give it he has great stories. So essentially, they can be highly sensitive about that. Yeah, essentially, you mean the joke there, I think it was a guy, it was, I think it was a, I don't know if it was a uh, video online where a guy was doing a Tolkien-style tabletop yeah. and someone playing Legolas killed Gollum. Yeah. And he said, no, you can't do that. He says, of course it. I have a, I have a 20. And he has a, and because of the system, he could not deny the kill. Okay. So you end up getting like, okay, I stop. Yeah, I have to go and fix this up. Okay. Those are the Shakespearean ones where essentially once one thing cracks in their story, they genuinely cannot play anymore. They have to stop it or they have to correct do it. something to correct it right away, which Jenny has lots of plot holes. Then you have the last type of DM who I see a lot also is the Jigsaw or Sadistic Tower DMs who essentially just treat you like a little torture doll. I mean, they're not the evil ones who just are trying to kill you every single time. These are the guys who genuinely just love making things a little difficult and a little, not menacing, but it's just disturbing in a weird way. So these are the guys who I who you'd say are the twisted, who are the twisted ticklers. Essentially, imagine you play D and D and suddenly you're in Silent Hill type thing. Essentially, twisted tickling, like yeah, like like those are the most common yeah. ones I will encounter. Uh, there are a bunch of other ones like the story time GMs or DMs who are essentially really just telling a story. It's kind of weird they're not Shakespearean because Jenny these guys don't have the story written up they're just making it up as they go but these are I mean the common DMs and having a bad one Jenny can make it for a really bad playthrough okay and if you might be wondering what makes a good DM honestly someone who can just think on their toes I mean you have to be able to fix things up immediately you should have things set down to what will occur what quests will happen as much as possible try to figure out what might happen and how to fix it or counter it worst comes to worse be able to make something up as you go. Something that took me, I think, about five, six years to kind of get was how to figure out how to fix something immediately. When they do something weird, it's not, okay, game's off here. No, game goes on. You just have to figure out what to do at that point. Okay. This work with idea, remember, your players, Jenny, have no idea what you're planning. So if you do change something, they won't know. Just pretend it's part of the plan. Okay. So... Hmm. La, um... Hmm. Either I might have a question in mind, or I've got nothing. Wait. Wait. So, as a final bit of a question, as a final bit of a question, if you were trying to approach someone who has no idea of what a tabletop RPG is, how would you get him to play the to play a, t, a TTRPG? Well, first, see if he's actually interested in playing those type of games. It means an analog setup. Uh, I mean, it, this is the same question I think we asked during the analog thing. Yeah, exactly. Where you kind of have to look for what his interests are and try to probably shape it around that yeah, area. Yeah, but this time I want to shape it around the specific uh, context of a tabletop RPG, not, ju- not just analog games in general. Well, then you have to see if this is even a game he may enjoy. Because okay. uh, like you're not, a tabletop game is very niche. 
simply because it does require a lot of time. I mean, a scenario in a tabletop that in a video game may just be done in one or two hours may be done in three to four to five play sessions. Yes. And these play sessions run anywhere between one hour, which is short, to three day, to three or more days. No, no, play session. Uh, essentially, like you're sitting down and play. Uh, about one hour to about five hours. The longest play session I've ever been straight as a DM was a twelve-hour play session. I think I saw, I think I was there when that happened. Yeah, I was in stir crazy at that point. I think at nine a.m. and I left at nine p.m. Okay. I was I didn't have class then, so essentially I dealt with four to five groups of players. Okay. Uh, in the highest point, I was dealing with about eighteen players. Okay. Dealing with eighteen players at the end is insane because you have to make you have to find out where these eighteen people are, what they're doing, who they're talking to, all their quest lines. But again, if you get used to it, you kind of have this rich system built to kind of get everything in order. Okay. But the ones who mess with you are the characters who end up getting double turns because I could not honestly keep up to whose turn it was. So I had to arrange them. You have to sit in this order or be in this order so I know who's coming first. Who's, who's, who, and whose turn it is. I think I recall that for some reason. <laughs> that's the, for me, that's the hardest part is actually getting whose turn's next just because sometimes they like walking around, which I don't mind. I mean, I see lots of guys run around, reenact the scenes, or essentially go in their little corners with their other friends and, you know, scheme. Either okay. against me, the game master, to beat my game, or against other people okay. to take their stuff. I'm starting to wonder who are the schemers. I'm pretty sure you don't have to wonder too much. Some scheme and some just go with the flow. Or some just go insane and just try to mess things up from the get-go. Oh no, those are trolls and genuinely uh, DMs. We try to get rid of them immediately just because they end up becoming nuances to the play experience. But what about, well, what about the guys who are just genu- genuinely insane? Uh, Jenny, we really have plans for them. But oh, then if okay. you do find a player who's trying to sabotage the game, Jenny, you try to get rid of them, or the group as a whole might vote them out of the game. Okay. It's amazing when you vote people out, because sometimes you can just retain their character as, like, a weird NPC. Okay. I Jenny like keeping characters as an NPC if they're removed from the game. I think I recall that there, I think I recall that happened once where if a certain if a certain ability was used but was not accessed properly he basically turned into an NPC because by law reasons he basically turned into a wild animal sort of like that uh in VDM that's when you go into beast uh, it's like you go into like a weird frenzy so yeah. you can't control your character anymore so you're essentially a non-player character for that time being okay but yeah, guys, so you know, let us know what you think about tabletop games. What games have you played? What games do you enjoy? Do you have any interesting stories or moments you remember? Have you tried being a DM? Do you remember maybe an evil DM, a good DM, a Shakespearean DM and such? You want you want us to make a video uh, video let's play of, of a session? No, you don't. <laughs> Even if we put little cartoons and stick men? No, you don't. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, let us know what you, you think do. in the comments below. And be sure to check out the other shows uh, in channel14.com, such as Third World Linux, the Sunstar Podcast, Bodega Nights, and of course, check out our other episodes in Third World Gaming. got to this point this is the off tangent section where we talk about kelp seaweed no no not seaweed the cebu entertainment launchpad seaweed yes that is but it is not 
It has nothing to do with seaweed, but yes, it is the Cebu Entertainment Launchpad. Now, what's that thing you might be wondering? Well, guys, it's this event in Ayala Center starting August 22 to 23. Uh, that will be starting at, uh, I think, 10 p.m.? Was it 10 a.m. or 9 a.m.? 10 a.m. From 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Mind you, the dates are currently tentative because there's still a consideration if something happens that might uh, mess with the schedule. Essentially, you know, another storm, but we've been having, I think we've already had storm number three. Storm number three, earthquake. Storm number three, earthquake. Um, other unforeseen events. Yeah, but uh, make. But yeah, August 22, 23, Be sure to go there. If, assuming it's, the schedules don't change, there you can expect to see different things such as music, games, comics. There's even a bit of cosplay going on. Essentially, this is creative. This the uh, different creative talents of Cebu. So there'll be people from different aspects. I mean, we'll even have a video school there, or it's like a people. Who a film are, school. Film school. I am not sure if this may or may not be Bigfoot. I think it's someone else. But yeah, you'll have it's comics. It's someone else. It's yeah. someone else. You'll have comics, art showcases, music performances. Uh, these are all local. Uh, we'd love you to come there, support your local arts. you also find Channel 14 there. Yes. I have no idea what they're doing, but we will be there. We're, go- um, you, we're going to cover the event. We're going to do weird, weird quote-unquote indie journalism. I'm sorry, I don't like using the term journalism. It sounds so pretentious. And then you will see the vo- the face behind the voices. You will be disappointed, just so you know. Or you will be, ve- or you might be, you might be attracted, so attracted that I might that I might actually be afraid for the first time in my life. You'll be disappointed. Anyway, guys, yeah, make sure to go to Kelp. That's August twenty two to twenty three, and that's the plug for now. And this is the off tangent once did, again. Did it bar? No. It's fine. Uh, if you wonder what uh, Paolo here is talking about, it's uh, the microphone because sometimes he talks a little too loud. Did it bar? No, actually, it's uh, pretty much Did fine. Did it peak? No. Huh. I thought it would peak. Well, maybe I missed it. <laughs> uh, right now, we have actually the sound right in front of us so we see how it's going. This is how we make sure the sound quality is fairly stable, especially with these new mics that try to pick up everything. Yes. And we also really don't want this to be a problem for Zhao. Yeah. Yeah, he meant... He kind of mentioned he kind of mentioned that it was a problem editing. Well, no, it's not you are a problem. Your voice is a problem. I'm sorry, I can't. You're change too it. passionate and I'm sorry, I deadpan. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't change that at the moment. I'm sorry, I can't change that at the moment. Sometimes, sometimes I could be a very blah 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 like a zombie, and sometimes I could be very passionate, like a man who has just had bacon stuffed marshmallows. That sounds like it'll kill you. I want some. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom, I found this uh, new f- uh, restaurant down in Lahug. What, uh, what is it? Why did I forget the name? It's uh, Azuba or something? It's this Japanese place. Yeah. Pretty good. I mean, uh, honestly, the food there really reminds me of the time I, stay- I used to live in Japan. It was awesome. Azabu? Yeah, I don't remember the name exactly. I've just been there and I forgot the name. I've- okay, that's kind of a retarded thing. But yeah, Azabu. Like, how close is it to here? Uh, remember the Jollibee that's near JY Square? That place, that's Azabu. Okay, across it. Azabu. Yeah, Azabu. Yeah. Uh, really good stuff. The food there really reminds me of one, uh, again, Japanese food. Fantastic. Uh, do not try the yaki, though. For yaki, for some reason, tastes very Filipino. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Yaki the food is very, the yaki niko is very good. But the flavor feels very local. Not something you'd expect from a Japanese place. Not saying it's bad, but it might be something else from what you're expecting. Yeah. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. But there's sashimi there, and their I was there once. Gatsu, fantastic. I was there once, and I did remember having their uh, 
As Abu is not sponsoring this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I recall having their Okonomiyaki. Oh, okay. That, that one really looked good. I remember the Osaka. That's fantastic. Uh, how was it? It was pretty good. Especially in, compar- in comparison to some of the Okonomiyaki I had in... Uh, was that place in Crossroads again? Uh, Tajimaya? Yeah. Oh, Tajimaya. Honestly, you go there for meat. Okay. Wait, and no. Ram- well, no, 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 not Tajimaya. There was another place there. Like the ramen place beside it? No, uh, no, Dozo Izakaya. Dozo. Oh, Dozo Izakaya. Yeah. Honestly, Dozo Izakaya, I found it really weird. Yeah, um... I mean, I, I enjoyed kind- food there, but a little weird. Um, to be fair, I had the Okonomiyaki there and the Okonomiyaki in Azabu. I could say that the Okonomiyaki in Azabu was somewhat better, but there were things that differentiated the two that I liked. I'll just say, I'll just say that, you know, I like my, uh, I like my Katsuobushi flakes. I can say that. Oh, I heard, I don't know if it's been confirmed, but I heard that Expendables 3 got leaked on torrents. I am not touching that. I am not touching that if I recalled what happened with uh Wolverine with uh um X-Men Origins Wolverine. Hey, I know I, I might be actually instantly watch that. If it's like X-Men Origins Wolverine, you'll see this little scap that say that, you know, masculine masculinity intensifying. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, so no, yeah, but I'm wondering if we have this weird scene where it's supposed to be like airplane scene and then you'll see like the CG like the CG thing, the C, the 3D outline that looks like it came from, you know, the old, the old, uh, way VR was, v, uh, virtual reality world was displayed back in the 80s where it looked very hey, polygonic. That seems perfectly fine, because seeing that you have actors from the 80s more often not, it might just be perfect with the time. Like, hey, that thing's so fake. Nah, 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 it, it's perfect for their time period. <laughs> okay, if that's the case, I want to see Conan. Oh, Hercules is also out, right? Yes, it's out, and the rock is the her- is Hercules. I am. How is it? Uh, I'm actually not sure. I mean, like, uh, so far it looks interesting, but I mean, when it comes to the rock, I mean, I enjoy his movies, but it's not like I'm watching it because he's a fantastic actor. But okay. I do enjoy his films. Okay. In its weird way, I mean, I have this guilty pleasure that it's amusing. So it's kind of like how you... Adam Sandler was to me when I was younger. So do you think it's still it's gonna be amusing? I mean, I'd like to think he's being a little serious here. I mean, the same when he does, like, Fast and Furious, where okay. he plays a more serious character. But, I mean, I'm not too sure how it's going to go. I mean, I will watch it. I don't know if I'm going to watch it in, like, the movie house. I might just get a DVD or something. For me, one of the things I have in my mind is, how similar is this performance going to be in comparison to his performance in Scorpion King? Well, instead of being an Egyptian, he'll be, you know, Hercules. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, not too sure, but I am actually waiting for Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm yeah. not exactly sure what's going to show, but I am actually very excited for that thing. I it's supposedly July 31 next Thursday. Okay, well I know what I'm doing. Besides waiting for the Maya scene to come out, yes, I, again I love Borderlands. I also like Minecraft. I also like Borderlands, and right now they have this thing where there are these nice new super limited edition skins coming out that I can never get access to solely because. Of the fact that whenever Miko posts the codes, I'm never at home. Yeah, but in fairness... For PC and Mac, though. For some reason, the PlayStation codes actually last a whole day and are still not fully taken. Oh, Xbox codes are even better because they can last a whole week and they'll still be available. Oh, yeah. Uh, These uh, special codes, these are shift codes for about 
for uh, Battlefield, uh, Borderlands 2, where uh, this one is limited to, I think, I don't really know how many downloads or how many uses it is. I know there is a limit to it, but I just... 10,000? Didn't you I say 10,000? I think 10, it's 10,000, but I'm not sure if it's exactly 10,000. I'm starting to think it might at least be above 5,000, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, Xbox 360, the codes have not expired yet. They're still So up. it kind of makes you wonder how, how much player base there is there. Because PlayStation 3 with Vita... Uh, actually, gets finished up pretty fast. Not like PC and Mac, which kind of ends up in a, ends like the use in like an hour. With um, two B. Actually, the first time it was released, which was the uh, Axton as Athena from uh, the pre sequel. Yeah. Uh, it was finished in thirty minutes. Dang, dang! A lot of people. But of course, people are getting more because it's a limited edition skin. Honestly, the skins themselves for Axton Salvador. Aren't really too interesting. Like for Salvador, you're just getting like this robotic eye for his head. Yeah. And for his shirt, you're just gonna be getting a yeah shirt like Wilhelm, which you, isn't too interesting. Which is Wilhelm, just a, you know, which is just Hyperion stuff. Yep. Hyperion duds. For Axton, I actually do like the head. I mean, I kind of like the head wrap. It has this uh, interesting like a uh, desert wanderer look to it. Okay. But I am waiting for Maya skin. I I. I Maybe you guys don't realize, but I really like cowboy hats for some reason. And girls with cowboy hats just seem really interesting. And she has a cowboy hat. Okay. And that's really the only reason I want that skin is because, hey, she has a cowboy hat. There's a joke here somewhere I can make. I'm not going to do it because it'll break rules. <laughs> and then, well, the, but the fair skin of Zero is also interesting, which is Claptrap. Yeah. Where you have the Claptrap-ish head. Yeah. I kind of like it because for some reason it reminds me of Portals with the skinny guy, with the skinny robot. Yes. Yes, it does. Now that I think about it, yes, yes, it does. Then you have Gage wearing Moxie skin, which is essentially what Moxie wears, except she actually wears like an undershirt. Yeah. And then you have Krieg looking kind of like a scav, which I'm not sure is where where that's from. Um, he's he just looks like a scavenger on on the moon. Of, he looks like a scavenger instead of a psycho. Yeah, and I really don't know how that'll go. I mean, I'm probably still going to get the skin just because, but yeah, I'm sewing for my skin, and that comes out next week. I am just hunting the boards, waiting for it to leak out, because for some strange reason, the Will, the Salvador skin, there were three to four sets of codes out, while Axon only had two. So based on this thing, I'm hoping Maya maybe has six. So I make sure I actually do get it. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm crossing my fingers now that that's the case so that I can get it on PC. Mostly because I know that I will be able to get it on PS3 Vita at the rate this is going. And I'm almost, I can bet my buttocks that I can get the Xbox 360 code for all of these skins and get them all at the same day if I wanted to. But I don't. Play on Xbox. Xbox 360, very specifically. Yes. But yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, Palo's actually been playing Borderlands. He finally succumbed to the Borderlands touch because of... Uh, did you get it on the sale? Yes. Yeah, okay, you got it on sale. And your, but your Vita one, did you get that? What's Does that part of the free thing? Or... V- sorry, you, I remember you mentioned that. Borderlands free for 2, I got it for free on, on PS3 as part of PlayStation Plus. In fact, all I'll need to do is reactivate my PlayStation Plus subscription so I could play it again. Um, Borderlands 2 on the Vita, I got that one on a whim. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah, I did get Borderlands 2 on PC off of the Steam sale, but due to the fact that I was putting a limit to the amount of money I was going to spend and on the sale, solely because of the fact that I did have other things I needed to consider, I didn't get the Headhunters, Headhunter stuff. 
Yeah, I remember that when you tried playing the game. Okay, hey, let's play this one. Someone like, doesn't have this. Okay, let's try this one. Someone doesn't have this. Let's say this like. Oh, okay, that was. I me. know Norm has this. I know I have this. I know oh, Jamie has this. Me, look at Paolo. That was yeah. No, no. Before you could even think that, I said that was me. I don't have it. Yeah. You know the sale is supposed to be you're supposed to buy everything. I'm sorry. I spent more time buying uh, buying more games, and I still don't have nearly as many games as you. <sighs> Gabe is disappointed. But he's still watching you.